102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. Use them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week. By the way, there was uh, Austin's own Elon Musk. You know, Southwest Austin's own Elon Musk and family. Along with every other celebrity you can think of at Circuit of the Americas this past weekend for the Formula One race. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, go to at Jeff Ward Show. And if you want to post comments on Twitter, that's fine. Just get to the point. Please don't suck. Make the show better. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Subscribe to the podcast. We drop it each afternoon. You get the Jeff Ward Show podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Also subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show YouTube channel. Uh, I look like Shrek, but it seems to be doing pretty well. We drop the YouTube video each afternoon. Subscribe to it. It's Jeff Ward Show on YouTube. On uh, most Mondays, maybe even all of them, I'm not sure at this point, I, I try to bring a Jeff Ward dose of reality to the overreactions, the natural overreactions, the expected overreactions from the weekend. So this is what I like to say is uh, overreactions versus reality. Overreaction. Your Texas Longhorns, who were lucky to beat Houston, Turns out they didn't play in the Astrodome after all. I was shocked by that. But they were lucky to beat Houston in a one-score game. Overreaction. They have ruined their final four spot. A lucky win against Houston, and it was, has ruined their final four spot. Reality. No, nothing has changed. Texas is still hovering around waiting for an Oklahoma loss, that almost happened on Saturday, waiting for a Washington loss, that almost happened on Saturday, or a Florida State loss. Yes, Texas was lucky to beat Houston. It was a win at home, basically, for Texas. Probably more Texas fans there than Houston fans, as usual. But a win at home might have saved Dana Holgerson's job, he's the head coach at Houston, and not a very good one. Had, had they hung on, or had they, had they been luckier, had they been given the right spot on a fourth or a third and a couple yards instead of turned out to be fourth and inches, it might have saved his job. But an idiotic... Has anyone noticed that every single week... I'm lost in the football world now. It's a game I don't really even understand anymore, and I grew up around the game, and I thought I knew it pretty well. But this world of these idiotic fourth-down calls, I just am reaching the point that I can't watch. But in another example, in another game, because any Saturday you tune into a college game, you're going to see multiple idiotic fourth-down calls. The Texas coach does them regularly. Dana Holgerson, with an idiotic fourth down call, after being screwed, I, I don't disagree, he got screwed over on a spot that left fourth and inches. 
I suspect this stupid call and ultimately the loss to Texas probably going to cost him his job, and it should. Now, he does what just about every other head coach in college football does. He needs, no joke, he needs fourth and a few inches. Got it? For a first down, they're driving with a chance to tie the game against Texas. And it's fourth and a few inches. Ball on, I think it was around the 10 or 12 of of Texas. There's a minute 15 or so left. I think they might have had a time. I don't know if they had a timeout or not because, you know, coaches blow those two. And he decides, of course, not to have his quarterback under center, which is a foreign concept today in college football. You, you, You can understand the math, can't you? That it would just make sense if you need a first down and the ball needs to move maybe a yard or less. In this case, the ball needs to move a few inches. Is it a great idea to have your quarterback three to five yards deep? In other words, you have to go more than five yards to get a first down. But that's what they do because they don't know how to take a snap from center. It's unbelievable. They don't have short yardage plays. They don't exist in college football. It's amazing. So sure enough, fourth and inches against Texas with a chance to save your job, pull off an upset. They snap that thing back to the quarterback, who's several yards back, and they decide to do the high-percentage play of roll out and throw it. It's incomplete. Texas survives. And I think Texas still survives on that outlier position to get to the Final Four. One, someone's going to lose. That someone might be Oklahoma. Two, their name is Texas. The takeaway from this game will be that Texas won by seven points. This is why, you know, if you paid close attention to the game, which most of America did not, they had better things to do. But if you paid close attention to the game, you're, you're, you're rare because most people, particularly in the media business, all they know is that Texas won by seven points on the road when their quarterback got hurt. That's good enough. It's misleading, but it's good enough. There's no damage was done to the Texas Final Four chances. Nothing really changed. As misleading as the game may have been, all anyone else knows is they won by seven. Now, a few realities with Texas that we didn't really know until the last few weeks. Uh, The Texas offense is solid. The Texas run game is really, really good. Uh, There are not many run games, if anyone even tries to do that stuff anymore. There are not many run games, many teams that can run the ball better than Texas in the entire country. The, The Texas secondary is a problem. It's not very good. It showed its ugly face again. The back end of the Texas defense has been exposed, and the only question is, will it be exposed enough to cost them a game? Almost happened. Almost happened on Saturday. So will it be bad enough to cost them a game? I doubt it because there's just not many teams that can throw the ball very well left. Steve Sarkeesian, of course, because he's like every other coach in college football, he loves to run trick plays. He loves to go for it on fourth down. And their trick plays are usually pretty dumb. Uh, He wasted one on Saturday. When you have to run, when you're playing Houston and you're a team that thinks you're going to be a Final Four team, you really, really should not be running fake kicks. It's just not the time and the place, and you shouldn't need them. 
You really only do that stuff when you need a jump start. You only do that stuff when you need to save yourself or maybe the game's getting away from you or maybe you don't even belong in the game. But you ran a fake field goal against Houston. That's silly. And no, it didn't work. You use a fake field goal to beat Houston is kind of embarrassing. It sends a bad message to your team. It just is like waving the white flag. Either way, Texas survives. It doesn't dent, in my opinion, doesn't dent their final four chances. They're still in the same spot. And increasingly, it looks like a decent spot to be. Then we find out they lose their quarterback, Quinn Ewers. And how long? Nobody really knows yet. Um, Here's the thing. Texas can run the ball well enough. And Malik Murphy is good enough. So if Texas were to lose, that's not why. It won't be because of their quarterback, whether it's Quinn Ewers or not. It won't be because of their offense. If they lose down the stretch, it's because of their secondary. And their secondary has become a liability, and their coach makes the same. He makes the game far too complicated. That's how they'll lose. It won't be about the offense. It won't be about the quarterback. Overreaction. The Detroit Lions are the second best team in the NFC. Some people say the best team in the NFC. A lot of people said one of the two best teams in the NFC as of about 11 a.m. on Sunday. Reality. The Baltimore Ravens had the Lions down 28-0 at the half. Game over. Game over. Sure enough, ended up, what, 38-6? Yeah. Are the Lions good? Yes. Better than San Francisco or Philadelphia? No way. No way. The most important question, I think, right now going forward, the most important questions from this game with Detroit getting just blown away by Baltimore, number one, is Baltimore the second-best team in the AFC? Yes. Maybe you could even say, is Baltimore the best team in the AFC? And I might say, yeah, maybe. Either way, they're among the best two. That seems to be pretty clear. That's point number one. Point number two, Dallas face painters, point number two is, can Dallas catch Detroit and beat them late in the year? Maybe. As of 11 a.m. on Sunday, nobody would have said that, but are you sure that's not... A possibility. I give Dallas a chance there. Uh, Overreaction. The Buffalo Bills are the team to beat in the AFC. Reality. No. No. And here's why no. The (laughs) The Bills have now lost to Zach Wilson of the Jets and Mac Jones of the Patriots. That would be by any measurement... Two of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Some would argue Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL. At times, people say he's the worst in the last decade. He's a joke. Not only that, the Buffalo Bills, the crazy Buffalo Bills, you can't figure out, they've now lost to both of those dudes in their own division. It's bizarre. They're bizarre. 
figuring them out is bizarre. They're not the best team in the AFC. They're not the second best team in the AFC. And it's debatable if they're the fourth best team in the AFC. The order goes Baltimore, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Miami, Buffalo, I think. Yeah. It seems pretty consistent. Overreaction. Taylor Swift is bad for Travis Kelsey's career. Reality. My whole weekend was Taylor Swift. That's all I've heard all weekend. My daughter went to see the Taylor Swift concert show. And not only does that mean that I guess to prep for the show, there has to be nonstop Taylor Swift music. There was. Not only that, I thought it was creative. She had painted her jeans in Taylor Swift albums. Which was actually pretty well done. So it is nonstop Taylor Swift all the time. The jeans were cute. It's cute when my daughter does it. By the time the game rolls around on Sunday, it's not cute anymore. I've lost it. It's nonstop Taylor Swift shots during the Chiefs beatdown of the Chargers. And I don't know if I can hear the name anymore. It won't stop. I can't stand to see another Taylor Swift, Brittany Mahomes chest bump. That's it. For all the people that were going get off my lawn and aggravated by it before, I'm with you now. Okay, it's, it's, that's enough, man. Every first down, every pass, anytime the ball goes near Travis Kelsey, and it goes near him a lot, which is a good thing. There we get to see her, and now we get to see Brittany Mahomes, and it is just, you're just going to have to split the screens. That's all it's going to come down to. Just split the screens. Or give us the non-Tater Swift broadcast version of a Chiefs game, please, at this point. There has to be options. But I know this. She's not distracting Travis Kelsey. I mean, the guy, for all the commercials, and he's every third commercial, for all the stories, for all the bad clothes. I mean, the guy is a horrible dresser. For all the stuff about the guy with all that he has going on, he is now, I guess, dating or merging with or whatever we're going to call this thing, the most popular person on the planet. I know this. It doesn't stop him. In fact, he keeps getting better. The Chargers may have had the worst defensive game plan in the history of the NFL in the first half. And that was this. Play a soft zone against Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. That's the dumbest idea anyone could have. You're going to get torched, and they did. Travis Kelsey gets to release off the line incredibly easy. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's a really bad one. I don't know. By the 11th or 12th catch, you may have figured out, you think we ought to try to jam the guy? You think we ought to put a hand on him? Are you sure we want to let that guy run it around all day? And they did. They did. And he had one of the most remarkable halves that you're going to see. He had, on the day, Mr. Tater Swift had 12 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown. And that's just because they stopped throwing to him a little bit. He could have had 20 catches for 300 yards. He made the Chargers look ridiculous. Yes, he dresses like a fool. Yes, he is in every ad, but the guy was unstoppable at 34, and Mr. Tater Swift, he just gets better and better and better. 
first battle Hall of Famer, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's, it's, the guy's just ridiculous, and the game plan against him was even more ridiculous. Now, he was unstoppable. His quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, may have had the best half of any quarterback I've ever seen. Now, granted, it's it's the Chargers made it much easier, but I'm not kidding when I say it was the best first half of of any guy throwing the ball that I've ever seen. He went 20 of 23 for 321 yards and three touchdowns. And here's the best part. The three incompletions he had, two of them were drops. I'm telling you, the guy hit his players 21, 22 out of 23 attempts in the first half. He hit them right in the hands and right on stride. Every pass, except for one, and it wasn't that far off, every pass he threw was perfect. It was unreal. Two were drops. I've never seen a better half by a player. I'm not even sure I've seen ever seen a better game by a tight end than Travis Kelsey, except the fact that it's overshadowed by the fact that his quarterback had arguably the best, I'm not even sure it's arguable, the best half of a quarterback you'll ever see. Because the Chargers and their stupid coach, who now is trying to make himself look like Sasquatch, their stupid coach decided to back off. <laughs> you have only one chance against Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey for that matter. You have to get to him before he releases the ball. You're going to have to get to him and disrupt him. You sit back there and let him look around. Guess what he's going to do, you fools? Oh, I don't know. He's going to go 20 of 23 for 321 yards and a touch, three touchdowns and a half. So forget the idea of Travis Kelsey's life is upside down and his love interest is bad as his clothes. His clothes are just shockingly bad. But nothing is distracting him. He's as good as he's ever been. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Way to go, Smoker Voice. I learned something a few years ago that is more true now than ever. Fight me all you want, but I feel pretty comfortable with this. Politicians, yeah, I'm going to go here. Politicians don't offer economic plans to benefit you. They don't. They don't offer economic plans for any reason other than to appease, and this will be the second time that I'm going to say this, or this will be the first of two times that I'll say this. I, I, I'm not sorry if this offends you. I'm not, okay? I really don't know why. I would like people to be more offended. I think you should be really offended, but I don't think anybody pays attention. I really think we're this clueless. So that is the setup. Politicians don't offer economic plans for any reason other than to appease butt-kissing voters, and that's what we've become. I said butt-kissing. Say it any way you want. Okay, we as a voting public obviously have no clue about fundamental economics, and nor do we seem to care to have a clue about fundamental economics. In other words, we're not even going to make the attempt to even know fundamental economics. We No work effort whatsoever goes into understanding fundamental economics. We don't seem to care. We're not even going to try. I'm a militant market forces person. 
I know market forces can be painful. It can be a bloody nose. But you know what? It's better than the alternative. What's the better plan, everyone? So politicians, as a, as a takeaway here, politicians don't believe in market forces. By, by nature, they don't have to believe in anything. They just want to get their job and keep their job. Otherwise, they don't care because we don't make them. They don't believe in market forces. They don't offer market forces. They only care about votes. And sadly, it works. It seems to be working really well. A few examples. I heard this on display a few years ago. And I would hear people, this is sort of the beginning of the Donald Trump time. And this is, everyone I think should have to listen to this. This is the beginning of the Trump time. You know, Trump, I don't know that much about Donald Trump, admittedly. I really didn't. And so, you know, keep hearing from people how he's a businessman. And, you know, this is about free enterprise and blah, 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 which I thought, okay, cool. Really? It's about free enterprise? And then I would hear him offering up these economic policies. And it was about tariffs. And so I heard it over and over and over again. I would say, well, wait a second, everyone. That's not about market forces at all. Tariffs are taxes. And I would say to people, wait a second. What he's offering here is not that different than Bernie Sanders tooling around middle America promising something to some union group. He's doing the same stuff. And I would argue, and I would argue, and I would argue with people over and over again. I said, well, what are you talking about? These are tariffs or taxes. And then I brought up the examples of how many other presidents would try these sort of tariff concepts. Bringing up Barack Obama, you know what the response was? Why don't you just die, Ward? Wait, are you disagreeing with me? No, die. Oh, can we disagree? No, die. Okay. So I'm starting to realize... Um, you don't care. You don't care about fundamental economics. You don't care. You want to find a team, get there, and hate everyone else. I heard it on display. I heard all of our ignorance, economic ignorance. And yes, it's true. They don't have to offer us real economic policy because we don't seem to care. So it really stuck with me. I use that as a backdrop to show you, for full disclosure and fairness, the other side does the exact same thing. In fact, it's incredibly damaging, and no one seems to care. Really, you don't care. That coal miner's job is not coming back. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's going up against market forces. It's a lie, and you didn't care then, and now another group of people are being lied to directly to their face. In fact, even worse, they're going to lose their jobs. It's a lie. But what's amazing is you can't tell people otherwise. You can't make a sensible argument out of just fundamental economics. So here we go. <clears throat> how can anyone, like just the backdrop here, how can anyone other than fast food restaurant owners... And maybe shareholders, I guess, if they're publicly traded. But how can anyone not be in favor of raising the pay of fast food workers? What kind of jackass would push against that? Right? It feels good to say you really need to cross the board raises for fast food workers. It feels good, doesn't it? It sounds like it's the right thing to do, doesn't it? Okay. Politicians suck. I wish more people believed it. I wish we lived by that mantra. They suck. 
and why the voting public doesn't seem to understand the fundamentals of this, and we don't care, I guess, which is worse, is pretty disturbing because it's playing itself out. The exact same butt-kissing, myopic, fake economic policies, damaging if they're implemented economic policies that anybody else tries, Donald Trump included, they're not free enterprise people at all. In fact, it's counter free enterprise is being trotted out again in a different kind of way. The exact same storyline all over again. This one just happens to have a person with their D next to their name. So, um, you know, we vote, we vote on one thing. In my opinion, I think it's pretty obvious now. I think the economics of the garbage economic policies that are trotted out today, if there are any, and there's not many, um, it really does show us all that we vote on one thing, and that's hate. If you prefer, I'll do this, just to be somewhat nicer, I'll say dislike, but it's really more hate. That's it. I just want to hate someone else. That's it. And stuff like that is what allows garbage like this to happen, and people are going to lose their job. Here's an example, okay? Um, Both sides, got it? Both sides. It's the same pandering, the same dangerous pandering. Uh, So I'm going all in. You can disagree all you want. Feel free to do it. I'm game for it anytime, anyplace. So have at it, at Jeff Ward Show on Twitter. Um, Okay? One... Don't, don't put your head down yet. One, value is what somebody's willing to pay. Hate it all you want, but, okay, dance around it all you want, but value is what will, somebody's willing to pay. Okay, number two, this is a starting point. I wish we could all sort of digest this. All costs are passed along. All costs are passed along. So now that we can have our eyes glaze over, Okay, I want you to do this. And if you want to put your head down, then I understand. I don't know the fast food business very well. I really don't. But I'll assume the prices of fast food goods, the cheeseburgers and the milkshakes, the prices are largely, you're going to scream, I know. I don't know what else to do. At least it's not a periodic table. The prices are largely perfectly elastic. Yes, it's a term. Okay. In other words, if you go to page 84 or the PowerPoint presentation in class, you'll notice that any small change in prices results in a very large change in quantity demand. Got it? It's, in other words, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? But it's perfectly elastic. These prices can't change much. Your milkshake cannot change much. The cheeseburger cannot change much. Oh, you can try. That's market forces. You can try, but I suspect they figured out in that business, you really can't try and it won't move much because there's a bunch of competition and cheeseburgers are cheeseburgers. So, all right, um, that's like commodities. That's how commodities operate, just in general. Now, where am, I, where am I going with this very boring thing? Yes, I really said perfectly elastic. I did. I, I'm... I want to point out that modern politics doesn't care about economic realities because we don't seem to understand the economic realities, which is pretty tough when it comes to something as simple as fast food commodities. If you force the increase in prices, something has to give. It sucks if what has to give is us, but the governor of California 
just costs a lot of these people their jobs. I'm not going to say he doesn't care. It doesn't matter. He needs to get some votes. I suspect he was looking for a different office than governor of California. It's no different than what Trump preaches or anybody else for that matter. They're going to they're gonna pander to the butt kissers to the point that the butt kissers are punished. The coal miners are punished because they believe the garbage. The union people standing in the assembly lines for auto, de- auto manufacturers are punished because they believe the garbage. And now a bunch of fast food workers are going to be punished because they're going to believe the garbage. It's going to cost them their job. Because no politician has the guts or the morality to just say the truth about fundamental economics. They are gutless, and we've allowed them to be gutless to the point that it's dangerous. Here's a prime example. These people in the fast food industry that are cheering today, they're going to lose their jobs. Then what? Challenge me all you want on it. Let's take a look at what happens in three years. So don't worry. Now, if you think, oh, you suck, Ward, you're picking on a Democrat, don't worry. Republican will do the same kind of garbage mean-spirited, horrific thing as well, and we'll believe it. It'll just be a different demographic. That's all it is. These are not economic policies. These are demographic strategies. That when people believe them, there's real damage. Did I miss something? How's everything going in Kentucky? Going pretty well? Yeah? Okay. Same thing's going to happen here. Uh, Associated Press reports a new law in California will raise the minimum wage for fast food workers to $20. When it takes effect, fast food workers in California will have the highest guaranteed base salary in the industry. The state's minimum wage for all other workers is $15.50 per hour. Make sense of that on any level, why it is a fast food worker would make more than anyone else in minimum wage. Look, I'm not picking on you. I'm saying you're getting screwed and lied to, and it happens all the time. And it's sort of couched in this idea of, I care about you. They're liars, and we let them lie. It's just the problem is there's real economic consequence here. These people are going to get screwed. That coal miner that believed that trash from anybody with an R next to their name, they got screwed. Because they wanted to hear it, of course. Same thing here. This guy hosts a news conference with people cheering and cheering and cheering, never once even considering, you know you're going to be replaced by a kiosk. Gavin Newsom signed the law. Newsom dismissed the popular view that fast food jobs are meant for teenagers to have their first experience in the workforce. He says, quote, That's a romanticized version of a world that doesn't exist. We have the opportunity to reward that contribution, reward that sacrifice, and stabilize an industry. End quote. You're doing just the opposite. You are fast-tracking. Remember what I said about the realities. Value is what somebody's willing to pay, and all costs are passed along. Go ahead. Tell me there's another way. He's not stabilizing the industry. Well, yeah, he will. He'll stabilize it. Not for them. He's fast-tracking their exit. Now, why would he do it? What do you mean, why would he do it? The guy's got to find organized labor unions. That's why. You know exactly why. The same reason why Trump will kiss some ass at a factory. It's a lie. It's all a lie. It's an economic lie. It doesn't work that way for any of us in any industry. He's promoting almost an immediate disruption. 
It's not stabilizing to increase $5 per person per job. That's not stabilizing. Remember, perfectly elastic. Let me ask you, how much more can you charge for that cheeseburger and a heat lamp? How much? You think you can charge six bucks more? The stupid thing goes three now. Perfectly elastic is a fast track to these people being shoved over a cliff. And they're cheering today. And anybody would. Sounds good. It feels good. Any one of us would want to hear the same thing. So value is what someone's willing to pay. Okay? Sorry. Sorry it's that way. I'm sorry for a cheeseburger that doesn't take a lot of expertise to sit on your lap. Value is what somebody's willing to pay because you can only charge a certain amount for that cheeseburger. Um, so who's falling for this? And it's really about organized labor unions. That's all. I mean, I'm sorry. It's, I don't know why people don't think politicians suck, especially at times like this. So here's a question for everyone. Um, will more, here's a way to look at it. Okay. There's a perfectly reasonable and fair way to look at this. Well, what's the alternative, Jeff? What do you mean? The alternative is that market forces are going to dictate these prices for people and burgers. What do you mean, what else is the alternative? That is, there is no alternative. You micromanage it, and you arbitrarily raise the cost of every single person by $5. You're going to fast-track that kiosk taking their place if it's not already. So question, will more or less people employed in the fast food sector, will there be more or less people employed in the fast food sector in three years? More or less. Now, I'm not saying, I'm sure he wouldn't want them to lose their jobs. He doesn't care. He can't. All that matters, all that matters in front of a politician is just get the vote. Demographics, demographics, demographics. So will more or less people be employed in fast food in three years? If it's less, would you cheer and say this is a good idea? Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Way to go, Smoker Voice. Uh, here you go on Twitter or X or whatever we call it. I know the blowback's going to be, shut up about politics. You shut up. Oh, my gosh. I think it's so unhealthy, by the way. Every now and then we all need kind of a punch in the face. Just try to have some, you know, just apply some fundamental knowledge. Uh, at Jeff Ward Show, Jeff, this $20 an hour is great for me. I am in the industry that sells kiosks and robots that replace people in the restaurant industry and many other places as well. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's like, am I supposed to cheer that on? Uh, at Jeff Ward Show, what percentage of waiters get canned in three months, plus or minus 25%? They're not waiters at fast food restaurants. Um, I, don't know. I, hate to, I hate to go down. I've already done enough. I've already killed the show and everyone's passed out and forgetting me when I used um, um, perfect elasticity as an economic principle. But look, a waiter, you have a chance to create value. You do. I mean, uh, I, don't laugh, but you do. I mean... You're still needed. Your expertise is still needed. Your work ethic is still needed. That boss is going to put value on you. An industry where you're, where you're really dealing commodities that is really just about price, 
Fast food, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm so harsh, but it's a commodity industry, and commodities are traded on price. And it's not, you ready for it again? It is perfectly elastic. That's a bad thing. That's a tough thing. Not a bad thing. That's a tough thing. You're on borrowed time there. At Jeff Ford Show, yes, what used to be called entry-level jobs now have to pay 17 to 20 an hour or more depending on the state. Okay, goodbye entry-level jobs. Hello, AI robot burger flippers. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you know, look, <laughs> why just fast food workers? I mean, if you're going to go after minimum wage... Um, what, what, what would make that more worthy? I can make an economic argument that is less worthy uh, of, of the support because it's just, it's borrowed time. Uh, things aren't good in Michigan State. Let me, I don't know how to go about this. I, I'm sure there's arguments somewhere out there, but let's do it this way. I'm going to read a statement and you try to guess what went wrong. Okay, the category is, I feel like this is a little bit of a game show, but there's no other way to go about this. The category is this, in-stadium trivia. Okay? All right, I want you to think about this. I'm going to read the statement, and then you decide what went wrong. Now, apparently before the game, Somebody thinks you're so bored you want to play a scoreboard trivia game. <laughs> okay, the team sucks, so maybe maybe it's a decent argument. But um, let me ask you this. No, here's a hint. What would you not put on the scoreboard? The Jumbotron. These things are gigantic, right? I mean, so if it's a face, it's a face. It's a giant face. What would you not put on the scoreboard? What face... Of what historical figure would you not put on your giant jumbotron? There. Kids, what would you say? What would you think is kind of a no-go, right? It's just in-stadium trivia. It's supposed to be as mindless as possible. What would you not put on the stadium scoreboard? Okay, well, here's the statement released. Michigan State Athletics is responsible for all content shown on its video boards. The video was not part of a sponsorship and had no affiliation with any of our corporate partners or our community. You don't say, really? <laughs> is that so? Oh, I thought it was a sponsorship. This is the Michigan State Athletic Director, Alan Haller. He has announced now, this is after saying it was not a Michigan State employee. We had nothing to do with it. It's a third party. Then, of course, 24 hours later, the boss of Michigan State Athletics had to say, we have relieved an involved employee who's been suspended with pay. Got it? Um, we've even got a statement from the YouTube quiz channel of which they stole this person's quiz. And this person, the great Floris Van Pallant, P-A-L-L-A-N-D-T, is the creator and producer of something called the Quiz Channel. It's a YouTube page. It's free. And no, Michigan State did not have this person's permission to use the quiz show, but they did it anyway and lied and said it wasn't their employee. Now they had to say it's our employee. 
What I love is they're suspended with pay? Really? <laughs> like, what do they have to do to get suspended without pay? The great Floris Van Pallant says it's an absolutely normal trivia question shown in an inappropriate setting. Hmm. What could it be, kids? Think. What would be a no-go for in-stadium trivia? If you've said Adolf Hitler, you would be correct. Yep. Picture and all. That's fun, isn't it? Who wouldn't want to play some Hitler trivia right before the game? (laughs) Can I ask all of you a question? Is there ever a good time for Hitler trivia? Is there ever a place that's a good place for Hitler trivia? Oh, by the way, Michigan State, this is their stadium. They lost 49-zip at home to their in-state rival, Michigan. So on the Jumbotron at Michigan State Stadium was a giant picture of Adolf Hitler with a quiz about where was he born. Because, you know, before a game, you're staring up there at the Jumbotron, you want to play some Hitler trivia. Get a beer and play some Hitler trivia. The team sucks. Let's play some Hitler trivia. Ooh, and a cool picture of him. That plays well. Way to go, Michigan State. All right, the Quiz Channel, the creator and producer of the Quiz Channel, said the school didn't ask for permission to use his content or pay him for it. This is really going well for Michigan State. So we got the Hitler thing going on pregame, and you got your ass kicked 49-0. Well done. Oh, and you lied about the employee, too. I like how you tried that one. Third party, third party. Okay, it's one of ours. (laughs) Uh, Here's... Can you not just say, hey, look, hey, 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 you got to keep it light today, okay? Let's, uh, I don't think we need to go with that giant face of Adolf Hitler in the scoreboard. Just don't think it's a good look. Can you imagine being, I was thinking about when I'm on the field, pregame, getting a workout in, look up there and go, damn, why is there a giant picture of Adolf Hitler here today? <laughs> What's going on? Is anyone not bothered by this? So, yeah, they played trivia, and trivia, part of the trivia game was, um, you know, questions about Adolf Hitler, because that's fun. I mean, it's like a noon game, right, on Fox? There is nothing that gets you more in the mood for an in-state rival, sunny day in Michigan, at home, playing Michigan, on Fox. Nothing gets fans ready more than Hitler trivia. I mean, what? I don't know why they don't play at the high school games. Like, you want to get in the game, you got to play some Hitler trivia. You want to be inspired for that game today, you got to play some Hitler trivia. And the best part is, we can't just ask the questions of Hitler trivia. We got to have the pictures, too. If you're going to say, hey, Jeff, what exactly was the question? Are you kidding me? Really? I told you, I think it was where he was born. Because Hitler trivia. It's like how to get ready for a game. Forget two bits. Just do Hitler trivia. All right, phone number is 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. On Twitter, it is at Jeff Ward Show. I can... The reaction is going to be predictable. So Quinn Ewers... uh, There's a lot to say about 
So Quinn Ewers, a quarterback at Texas, got hurt against Houston. You know, I, I don't know what happened along the way. The difference between one year to the next for Quinn Ewers, who is a more athletic guy, but almost to a fault, because he now, I have the exact same injury from a car wreck, but he now has an injured shoulder, throwing shoulder, and they're listing him as week to week. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. But, you know, the guy's starting to take collisions in the open field. Has been doing this the entire season. So, you know, he is more athletic. I mean, it is working for him. His legs are working for him. It is a part of the offense. And the offense is not their problem. But it's... You know, I thought this a few weeks ago when I saw him run into some guy in the cotton ball. I thought, kid, you better get down, man. I know this is not the NFL yet, but this is borrowed time. And sure enough, he was sacked and ran into a guy from Houston on on consecutive plays, and they were both pretty tough hits. So now he's got to separate the shoulder. So now you know what's happening. You knew it was happening. You knew it was going to happen. It is the Arch Manning watch on steroids. Everybody wants the royal family of football. They want to see this kid. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.